Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Match Ball. Welcome to The Match Ball with Levi Solicitors. You can get 10% off legal fees for your business or for you personally if you go through the square ball. The website address that you need, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. My name's Dan Moylan. With me remotely is Michael Normanton. Hello. And Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. Well, that was all right, wasn't it? 5-0 against Stoke City. In a sentence, if you could sum up that game. I don't know why I've been worrying all day. I don't know why Michael's been worrying all day. You've been more confident than me, haven't you, generally speaking? Um, I think this just underlines what I have been saying for weeks about how you can start placing your bets for us winning the Community Shield against Liverpool at Wembley. In which season? Next season. Well, because have you not seen that they're going to invite us to enter it? If the two, well, if the one Manchester club and then the other one that pretends to be there are still involved in Europe when the Charity Shield's playing, um, they're talking about it being the champions of the Premier League against the champions of the Championship, which will be us. Oh, really? That'd be amazing. I mean, obviously, we'd be kicking off the season with a 6-0 defeat to Liverpool, which would be a bit of a shame, but um, I'd still enjoy the day out. No, we beat them. It'll be a, we bring Cantona back for another hat-trick. It's the sort of bridge I'm very much willing to cross if and when we get to it, but let's get to it first, because that was on a day where, and I share Michael's feelings on this, I was all right up until about three o'clock, and then the terror grew within me more and more over the, the, like the couple of hours in the lead-up to it, to the extent where I went, you know, went to the recycling centre, the tip, got rid of a load of stuff just to distract myself. But I mean, what a way to answer any question or any doubts, because that was absolutely superb, wasn't it? And we kind of, we let them off a bit towards the end. Uh, Up to the point of 3-0 in particular, we were absolutely tormenting them to a ridiculous extent. Like it was, it's an overused expression in football, but it was proper men against boys stuff. Like they couldn't get anywhere near us and... Pablo was just completely taking the piss of him. Well, everyone was taking the piss of him, to be fair. And to a certain extent, after it went to 2-0, they looked like they didn't actually care. It was very much like the game at their place earlier in the season, I thought. In that it, At 0-0, they were kind of obviously worse than us, but still in the game because it was 0-0. And they were trying a bit. And then as soon as that second went in, it was just it was just complete tools down for them. It felt like they, they weren't even asked about being in a game anymore. Yeah, if you want to talk about taking the piss, don't even worry about how well Pablo Hernandez was playing. Let's spend a few minutes talking about Berardi's pass of the season in the, the, the closing minutes, which was, you know, we know that he's got that ball in him. He just needs a, a really um, a team full of makeshift ex-Premier League players to uh, 
to unleash it against. Stoke are kind of a warning from the future of what can happen if you spend too long just messing around in the Premier League and end up with a really fucked up squad. They're a completely fucked up team. That's England's Jack Butland and it's Holland's Bruno Martins Indian. None of them have got a clue why they're playing for Stoke. Michael O'Neill's shrug after the fourth goal said everything and we've just seen um, the tweet from Duck Fanzine, our uh, counterparts in Stoke, who uh, point out that um, our team is probably earning half as much as theirs but wants it twice as much and has exponentially more quality within it. Do you want me to give the exact quotes? I've got it here in front of me. I think I remembered it perfectly. The exact words were like watching two different sports being played at the same time on the same pitch. Their passing patterns are superb. Their movement is superb. They play without fear. They have a real shape and technically their players, probably on half of our wages, are light years ahead. I mean, what an endorsement that is. And maybe we should sometimes remind ourselves of just how good we are. We were amazing. If we can just have another, to be honest, another two halves of that football would po- quite possibly get us promoted. It might just be enough to to get us the goals we need. And I mean, we've been threatening to win a game 5-0 for ages under Bielsa. Like, what was the, I think we've managed 4-0 before, haven't we, against West Brom and Borough. They were both 4-0. But we've had this in us for ages, as long as a few things just click. And things like Liam Cooper scoring and... Pat Bamford absolutely lashing one in from a ridiculously tight angle. If, if a few of those things can happen in the same game, this can happen to you, particularly against uh, a team like Stoke who couldn't be bothered. And remember that Stoke's last game, they thrashed Barnsley uh, 4-0, so we've got a 9-0 uh, to look forward to in, uh, after Swansea. Oh, that'll uh, even up the Brentford goal difference then, won't it? So perfect. I keep telling you, we don't have anything to worry about. Up yours, Thomas Frank. Go and get a surname. Well, <laughs> two first names, he should be on the radio. Don't even have a middle name. I've checked. Let's go back to the start of this game then. And very archetypal. As you say, Michael, I kind of, by 20 minutes, I knew that we had that game sort of on a subconscious level, but didn't dare admit, admit it to myself. One of those games where we sort of felt our way through it up to the first drinks break. But after about that point, I just always felt we had it in us. And that said, when it is nil-nil, it can still go... Either way, can't it? All it takes is for them to nick a goal, as we saw uh, with a team like Luton that completely wrecked that particular evening. But that goal, perfectly timed going in into half time. An absolutely ludicrous challenge on Costa, who I thought had a good game today, a really good game. Direct running, decision making, good. What do you think? A new signing. I was trying to beat Michael to the new signing joke. <laughs> yes. It's a very positive debut, I thought. It was very good. But yeah, like you say, completely ridiculous tackle. It's one of those that you feel almost shouldn't even count as a penalty. It's so much in the corner of the penalty box. And given he wasn't even running towards the goal at that point, it's a a glorious tackle. I remember Tommy Smith being airlifted to hospital once after a Leeds-Huddersfield match where I think think it was the game Billy Sharp scored in the last minute. And I think he probably enjoyed that game more than he enjoyed this one tonight, such was the torment put upon him by everyone. And considering the pressure that we as fans felt like we were under for Click to just stroke that one in as Clicky does. Nice. I was glad it was Click. I was, this isn't a go at Bamford, but I was worried Pat Bamford would have the ball in his hands. But I was, I felt much more confident when it was Click. And I can't really explain why, because I know he's, um, he did miss his last one for us. But I think he's got the right level of giving a fuck to deal with a situation like that properly. He's scored a lot of penalties before. 
in exactly that manner. And the way he's always talked about the um, the miss, the one that he missed, where he says, how is it even possible to put the ball that far wide of a post from 12 yards? He, he regarded the whole situation as ridiculous and completely his fault. So I didn't doubt that he would uh, score today. There was probably some grit in there. You saw when the players were celebrating, it wasn't exactly euphoria. It was more like, well, it was like a cautious well done, but awareness that that's only 1-0 in the first half. It wasn't vintage, but you could see where the opportunities were because Stoke were leaving all that space behind their defence, which is the mistake Luton didn't make. They basically, and if I was, I know Martin O'Neill, Michael O'Neill, said that he'd been watching uh, the teams who've defended well against Leeds and got, got points against them. I don't know which ones he's, he's watched. You you do the opposite of what Stoke did. You put as many players in your penalty area as possible and then we we can't get through. And they had a, a little bit of that with the the effort. The effort was cleared off the line from Bamford while he celebrated with the south stand and then Tyler Roberts had his rebound blocked. That's how to do it. Have as many players in your six-yard box as possible. Apart from that, loads of space. Easy will score five. I was a bit concerned when that one didn't go in because it was two chances that you thought on another day do go in and you you do start having some slight concerns then. And I think I was a bit worried early on as well when Ben White got caught out. He got a really early yellow card, didn't he, for trying to take it around someone and he actually did it wrong for, I think, probably the first time this season. And he, he took a very good yellow, actually, by sort of slightly dragging his leg down. But that combined with that miss, and there was a, a, a there was a really early Roberts chance as well, wasn't there? Which was pretty well saved, actually. So there were just a few things not quite going for us in that early part. But the the goal before half time just completely settled us, and then to score again straight after half time, you've basically ruined two team talks there, haven't you? Because he's before half time, he's got his he's probably going to go say give him a few little pointers and say, well, more or less keep doing the same thing, and then they go in at half time have another team talk about trying to get back into the game and straight away that's out the window. So it's uh, it's very nice times to score. And another half-time sub. Um, Pablo on at half-time for Roberts. Expected? Welcomed? Yes, very much so. It's always nice to see Pablo, isn't it? The only thing I would have done is take him off about, well, certainly 20 minutes later, I would have had him off the pitch again. Just get him back in his, um, his padded coffin that we're making him sleep in and not ensure he stays free of injuries but he, I don't know if he changed the game or not he he probably did but I can't entirely put my finger on why other than just by being really bloody brilliant it's because he's got the the ability to take advantage of a high line if a team is defending against us up the pitch Pablo loves it he'll just dink the balls behind them and it's not a problem we saw against Luton where he came on that he couldn't unlock them because they were so deep but those passes through that he can send for Helder Costa and Jackie Harrison running onto them, no problem. And I mean, the third goal is completely ridiculous from Stoke's point of view. I've been watching the the replays of Pablo just running across their penalty area, and it's not even subtle. He may as well have gone through there with a a big fucking air horn, like singing, "I'm going over there to get the ball," and they still were just like. Uh, is should anybody be looking at this? They were kind of appealing for offside, weren't they? But when James McLean was playing everyone on by about five yards because he was just stood completely by himself on the edge of the six-yard box while everyone else was pushing forward. But I mean, some of their defending was pretty much a joke. Like the Costa goal as well. He actually spins 
I think, anticipating there'll be a defender near him. And there isn't. And even though he's done a little spin, he's still got enough time and space to just score anyway. Ridiculous levels of defending. He physically jumped. He was shocked. He recoiled. He could not believe that he was there and that there was nobody there to stop him. And I think it genuinely gave him pause for thought. I think he looked around. He thought, oh, is the referee, is there a flag up? There was that going through his mind because it was unbelievable that nobody was there to to stop him. And that's a little bit what I mean about how fucked Stoke are because that's James Chester came on, who was came up through Scum's Youth Academy and has played in the Premier League, replaced a teenager and is immediately worse. And there's there's something from that Duck fanzine tweet. I dread to think how much they must be paying James Chester to be that bad at football. All our players should be out after pay rises. I thought that as well when they brought on Biram Juf because Bryn Law described him as experienced. And I thought, no, surely he's a, a promising youngster. They've just recently signed for Man United. Like he's the next big thing, isn't he? And then I looked at his record. He's 32 and he's scored 13 goals in the last five seasons. And probably is paid about... 30 or 40 grand a week and you do sort of think Jesus you are fucked aren't you oh well just to pick up on a couple of things you said there I think what Pablo does is he knows how to play and create things between the lines and that's what Stoke didn't do they might have watched videos of how to defend against us the problem was none of their men were tracking our men um, and they just allowed us loads of space to drift in and you saw that with, with Costa as you say that the amount of time that he had he was able to shift his entire body weight over onto the other side, which is unheard of. What was he? Six, eight yards out, something like that. And he had the time to completely change his body shape so he could curl it just um, under Butland's left hand. That's ridiculous defending, but I'm pleased that they were so bad at it because it's made for a lovely day for us, really, hasn't it? And uh, Cooper, Super Cooper, his finish was um, was absolutely delightful. I was just going to say on the um, the Costa goal, there was an illustration there, not just of... Uh of Pablo's quality, but of why Stuart Dallas came back into the team ahead of Douglas, because it was his one-two with Pablo and then the the through ball to Costa. It was kind of, Pablo can do that. if He's kind of got this ability where if you've got an idea, if you're Stuart Dallas in that position, you think, oh, I think I can I can get a ball into to Helder Costa from here. Pablo will be there to help you do it. And, and it was, um, it's not something... As good as Barry Douglas was against uh, Blackburn, it's not really a Douglas move to be that far up the pitch, pinging through balls into the penalty area. So Dallas was well worth his place back in the team. How did we feel actually before the game? Because I thought it was a little bit harsh and I was worried he was rushing back Cooper and Dallas when I saw them both on the team sheet. I was pleased to see him both fit enough to be playing again, but I don't, I don't know. I had a few concerns that maybe we should be just resting people. As you've said before, though, Michael, this is the reason why Marcelo Bielsa is our manager and getting paid a lot of money. And we're sat here just essentially guessing what's going on in his genius brain. He's also, he's, he's in his element at the moment with something that he's referred to earlier in the season when he was talking about Jamie Shackleton, who has not played as much as you, you would have expected him to, the way, considering the way he finished last season. He was probably the best player in the, the playoffs that we probably shouldn't ever mention. I spit and throw some salt over my shoulders. But he, he described him as said he is a first-team player. He might be on the bench and he might not get off the bench and into the team. But he is, he, he used the phrase, he is a first eleven player. And he's he's repeated that um, that story in the last few games, I think particularly now that we have five substitutes and that it is such a compressed amount of time. He's basically saying like, Barry Douglas and Stuart Dallas are both our first choice left-backs and they are both in the first eleven. Which one of them is actually on the pitch at a particular moment 
is as much to do with the circumstances of the game, the opponent that we're up against, um, the fitness levels that they have. But actually, don't matter. It's interchangeable. Berardi can come on for Cooper. Um, Shackleton came on. Pablo Hernandez can come on for Tyler Roberts at halftime. And then the next match, we just swap them back. And it's almost, you're just giving players, it doesn't matter who starts the game and plays the first 45 minutes. Because if you're starting the next 45-minute period, or if you're starting a 20-minute period, you're just as much a first 11 player as anybody else. So it, you, there's kind of a, a different language involved where Douglas was not dropped and Alioski were not dropped. They were just kept for a different stage of the game and were still first 11. I've just realised I said uh, Cooper, I think, rather than Costa earlier. But I mean, the thing today, there would have been a fair argument for just bringing every attacking player on the pitch towards the end of it, because they weren't going to do out, were they? There was a bit of me thinking... Why don't we try and score 10 here? Just see how many we can put in and get that goal difference right in our favour. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And returning to Cooper's goal, because we haven't actually mentioned about that finish, precision finish by the Scottish international, past the England international at the near post. Knew exactly what he was doing, didn't he? Came off his heel, didn't it? Which he meant to do. He's opened his body up and he's hit it with his one good foot and he's finished it very well. Just hit it towards the goal. It's um, We'll talk about Bamford's goal in a minute, but it's what you you look for around the box. Just hit it towards the goal and you've got a really good chance then that it will go in. If you don't, it won't. There was a lot more of that today and I was really pleased with it. When Roberts had hit that shot in the first couple of minutes, Bamford put one shot from the edge of the box, it went uh, went over. But there was just more of actually trying to score goals in there, which I think maybe we've learned from that click goal at Blackburn. It's like, if you occasionally have a try and put it out the goal, maybe one will go in. I don't know if you caught Jermaine Beckford talking on Sky after the game, and I couldn't catch which point in the recent matches he said it, but he said after a recent match, it actually had a word with Patrick Bamford in particular and uh, and he said exactly that, which he said on an LUTV commentary, that we he, he needs to take some some more shots. And he says that he's pulled Bamford aside and he said, he, I don't want to 
contradict anything that Marcelo Bielsa is coaching you to do, but try and be a bit more selfish. You know, you, you're judged on goals. You, you, you've scored 14, try and score some more and uh, and try to plan that idea in his head. And the presenter on Sky asked what um, Bamford's response was and Beckford burst out laughing. He said, yeah, Bex, will do. But I don't know if that maybe has, I mean, I was we were talking on the, a recent podcast about him, him needing a little bit of a, um, a James Beattie with a, an arm around him to to tell him just to educate him the way that he educated Chris Wood and and that was the reason I brought that up was inspired by that Jermaine Beckford commentary and listening to him kind of talking through a match describing what he would do how he would shoot from this position where he would make his run what he would be looking for and it's like all that knowledge is no fucking good in Jermaine Beckford's head sitting on a sofa on Sky TV give him a wage and let him just talk to Patrick Bamford after every match and and teach him how to do these things that, um, as we said on that podcast, you know, you might not think that a 26-year-old centre-forward who came up at the Chelsea Youth Academy needs um, a guy who played for Wealdstone and also the Chelsea Youth Academy to tell him. But it's good advice. And, you know, Cooper took it where you've kind of seen in those moments before where you might control that that ball in the penalty area after it's been pulled back and tap it off to click or something. But now just swing your foot through it and score. And um, I think the the stat that they mentioned on Sky was apparently that's the most shots that Patrick Bamford has had in a game, possibly this season, um, certainly for a while. I didn't catch the exact statistic, but it sounded like he was a lot more shot happy. So essentially, Jermaine Beckford's taking all the credit. I feel like he was just in the right places to have shots. When he frustrates me the most is when we're chasing a game and you see him out on the right wing, like dropping into the channels and things. Today, it was in the six yard, like around the six yard box a lot more. And that means inevitably he's going to just have a lot more chances if you stood right in the middle of the goal. And it sounds incredibly simple, but he was there today and he did well. And he was unlucky not to have more because he's, he's one that got cleared off the line. He hit the bar, didn't he, as well? Butland made a good save from one of them. Like they were all. Yeah, that shot from the outside of the box. Like they were all reasonable shots. There was nothing that I felt he should have definitely scored. And there were some chances in there where I think in other in other games this season he wouldn't have even been there to have that chance. And then obviously the goal itself was magnificent. It's amazing, isn't it, that he kind of took the most difficult of the chances that we've seen him ha- seen him have in in recent weeks. Shades of Beckford actually in terms of that finish at Old Trafford, ball over the top, a nice finish. But uh, yeah, Bamford. Probably hit that with a little bit more conviction than than Beckford, but let's not get caught up on that particular detail. It was a lovely, lovely moment for him. I was really pleased because he, he worked very, very hard all game and I think deserved the goal. There's something beautiful about it in both posts as well, when it goes in anyway. If it had hit both posts and come out, it would in many ways have summed up Bamford and our look this season with, with finishing, but so nice when it does that. What I liked about that goal as well was that Stoke kind of goaded us into it because we stopped at four. We were content. We were just going to keep the ball. We're, we're not going to hurt them. We're not mean. But they kept trying to get the ball. It's like they suddenly started playing at 4-0. I think they realised they've got quite a long journey home with their angry manager, who has already slagged them off once this season. I, I, I don't think he's been particularly kind to them after the game has made those points as well, that that shower are paid enough to be better than this. But because they kept trying, I think there was a point of, Bill just was like, all right, for fuck, right, we'll, we'll just score a fifth, fucking hell. Patrick, ball's coming, stick that in, thank you, 5-0, up yours, lead to going up. I've just looked at the XG for this and the probability of that goal going in was 
according to InfoGoal. I would have expected less, actually, from that angle. It's, uh, I did notice after the goal, I think it was Tommy Smith, he's there kind of holding his arms out to Butland, as in, why haven't you saved that? And you think, come on. If anyone's going to take blame in this game, uh, Tommy, I think maybe you should you should have a look at your own performance. Five different scorers, which is absolutely great. It's good to get goals from right across the team because, again, it's one of the recent criticisms that there's just not enough people scoring enough goals. Which I think just, we just answered every question today. And looking at the overall XG for the game, uh, we got 3.88. So we outscored the XG again uh, to Stokes 0.24. I don't even know where that 0.24 came from, to be honest. I think I made a note that McLean had a shot that went somewhere near the goal on the in the 91st minute. And I couldn't remember anything else that they had. Well, the stats have got one, two, three, four, five different shots on five different occasions, but they're all 5%, 3%, 3%, 9% was the best that they got and another 3%. So they're all very, very uh, weak in attack, those chances, but we're, we're showing some, uh, some right XG and we smashed it and we smashed Stoke and we're top of the division. And are we going to the Premier League? What's your mood like then at full time tonight? I mean, I'm pessimistic, obviously, but it's hard to be too pessimistic after you've just won 5 nil and completely destroyed a team for 45 minutes. It's good, isn't it? There was the de- there were definite fears yesterday when West Brom and Brentford have won, and you do start you do start having that feeling of like this isn't fair. Everyone else keeps winning, but then you know we can keep winning as well, and that just pushes it all on for a week. And Brentford need us to slip up, and it's all in our hands, isn't it? So let's just keep doing that. It's dead easy. We make it look dead easy when we're not stressed out and panicking. They need us to slip up big style. Like even if we slip up once, they, they won't catch us. It's not a problem. And I actually hope Brentford win every game. We've got this now where we're playing after them and Thomas Frank has tried to turn that into some kind of virtue where he's all like, oh, the pressure's on them. Yeah, we'll just win 5-0. So I hope that they do just keep winning every game and finish third because it'd be fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> It would. I'd be up for that. I have started to find him really annoying this season. He wasn't, I don't know, I don't feel like I had any opinion on him until probably actually about six months ago. I didn't have any opinion on him whatsoever and now I hate him. I hate his hair. I hate his (laughs) tactics board. Um, I hate the way he dresses. I hate his, I think mainly it is his hair actually. I've just got a picture of him up. I find his hair particularly obnoxious for a man of his age. He's Danish. Can we blame him for Lego? But what's wrong with Lego? Why would why does anybody need blaming for Lego? I was going to say Lego is good, isn't it? Have you ever stood on it? Yeah, that's true. Well, that's not what it's for. Killing pigs. The Danes love killing pigs, don't they? We can blame him for uh, for Kasper Schmeichel. The on the other hand, Slaven Bilic. I'm happy for him to go up second with West Brom and Kyle Bartley. I'm not too keen on the rest of the team, uh, but I think Bilic has been uh, has been okay. And Bielsa likes him. They had that big hug, didn't he? So. Yeah, if we can just keep uh, Brentford locked out and we'll win the league, West Brom can go up second. And yeah, I'm happy with that. The uh, the charity shield awaits. Well, as is the custom on the match ball, let's pick some heroes and villains. And I think there were plenty of standout performances today that you could put in for man of the match. I mean, early front runners, I'd say you have to put Costa in there, the new boy. Looks promising. Settled in quickly. And um, Bamford as well. I think those are my two front runners. Yeah, and Pablo, obviously. We didn't even talk about Pablo's golden because him planting it so precisely from the edge of the box isn't even a big thing for him. That was another one when I, when I saw it. I thought maybe there'd been a bit of a, 
a fuck up from Butland because it looked like he was over at that side of the goal. But actually, it's so perfectly in the corner and with so much pace that he does just have to go. You know what, Pablo? I'll let you have that one because I'm getting nowhere near it. And that goal was standard, standard leads. Exactly. That's how good we are these days that you sometimes forget just how good these goals are because it was the cutback, the step over, wallop, back of the net. And it was at that point, wasn't it, that Michael O'Neill kind of shrugged as if to say, well, oh, I don't know. What am I supposed to do about that? <laughs> well, if his players aren't going to do anything, I don't see why uh, he should have to. I would also like to nominate as a hero, Ilan Melier, for his diving header. Yeah, that was very good. I think he could have actually caught it. I think it was in his box by the time he headed it, but still, a bit of drama. Where's the fun in that? And Berardi for his um, pass. Click for scoring a penalty, which has been a problem over the, the seasons. We've not had many and we've not scored the ones we've got. So we're, we're pinging in free kicks and then we're, we're pinging in penalties. All these good signs that we're just, I think we're just going to come into form for the start of the Premier League season and then win it. I'd like to nominate myself as a villain for being an idiot with a computer because I was watching this in LUTV and as um, as Costa went through, I excitedly sort of hit the desk and managed to hit the space bar and pause the game. And by the time I unpaused it, it was running away celebrating. So I lost all the joy of that goal at the, fir- the first time around. So that was a bit annoying. I'd also like to nominate Phil Hay as a hero for saying on the show that we did with him, the Phil Hay show a day or two back, that Leeds don't score four and five past teams. Uh, well called again, Phil. Excellent use of the crystal ball. We just need Phil to keep making ludicrous predictions until the end of the season and we'll be fine. A good day to be a white then today. 12 points to play for and we've got a six-point gap. That's looking all right, isn't it? You'd have taken this a week ago. Yeah, I mean, the six-point gap with the game to play would be preferable. It's coming. I think Brentford would be, if Brentford win every game, it would be, by a margin, the best ever end to a championship season. I saw someone put on Twitter earlier about, I think the most anyone had ever got from the last nine games was 23 points, I think. They've got to slip up soon, haven't they? Don't matter, because we're not. What did Villa do at the end of last season? Didn't they win something stupid like 10 in a row? I mean, Villa dropped some points because um, because we took one off them, didn't we? With the, the click game which actually should have been a defeat for them and then they lost to Norwich on the final day so probably Brentford will do the same yeah just check they did win 10 in a row slightly earlier in the season sort of March to third week in April until they met Leeds United which they lost obviously yes the famous 1-0 defeat they suffered at Ellen Road but anyway we're not playing them they're not in this league yet they will be soon just wait it'll be enjoyable when it happens but um, like Moscow says it's about us this year. We don't need to look at other people's results if we can just sort our own out. And on that, do you feel now that psychologically this is a different team to the one we saw at the back end of last year? I think it's it's different for us and it's different for other people as well looking in because there will have undoubtedly been people looking at us after the Luton game and after the Cardiff game going, oh, Leeds, wobbly as usual. But then the pressure is on playing after teams and now for two weekends in a row we've come out and fairly well last week fairly comprehensively this week just ridiculously smashed a team it was embarrassing to be honest I'd have been if I'd have been a Stoke fan watching that I mean I've been a Leeds fan watching us play like Stoke did today and it's awful to actually have to sit through so we've humiliated someone today which is a lovely feeling and hopefully just makes Brentford wind their necks in a bit on which note we will leave it thank you for listening to the match ball hopefully more joyous ones to come we'll return with another one after Swansea on Sunday afternoon. 
Don't forget to use your Levi's discount if you need um, some legal advice. They do commercial law. They do personal law. It's levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. We'll catch you next time. See you in a bit. The Match Ball. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.